you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Hi everyone, I am beyond excited to be hanging out with a fabulous woman, Jo Muirhead. We're sat here with our cups of uh, coffee and our bottles of water, water being so important and I'm sure you'll find out why shortly. But essentially what I'm loving about this woman is that Jo is all about the intersection between people and and work and how we make work work well. Uh, jo has grown a successful allied health practice called Purple Co um, and is a massive believer in the fact that we all know work is such an incredible significant part of our life. Yet for so many of us work is hard and can leave us feeling exhausted unwell and in extreme cases unable to earn at all. Jo herself is a qualified rehabilitation counsellor and coach and what she does in her day job is uses her expertise in human behaviour to help people make their work work well for them. What's exciting about sitting down with Jo is I'm really interested in what it is that drives Jo because I think it's fair to say that for many of us, entrepreneurs, game changers in business, disruptors in business, men and women, we're all struggling with trying to do more with less and our lives are becoming increasingly busy. So not only do I want to get some tips and tools from Joe, but I really want to find out what makes Joe tick. So Joe, welcome to my sofa. Uh, we're actually sat at my house in the northern beaches. The wind is howling outside, um, and we're a little bit cozy in here. Um, tell me, Joe, what what is it? What is it that just drives you to do what it is that you do? What I've always been driven by is. A desire to make a significant impact so I think being the best version of myself and I'm trying not to sound egotistical or arrogant but that would be the, the truth like we've all got a life we've all got the same 24 hours in every single day um, why not use that purposefully and and why not leave the world in a better place than when we came in so I, I just there's too much garbage there we is. don't we don't have to contribute to that so for you how do you make sure you're not filling your day with garbage because um <laughs> it's a bit like a builder not yeah, finishing his yeah, house yeah. um you know the hairdresser not looking after our own hair um <laughs> we can all have these ideals so what examples can you give in terms of for your life or mm. your day-to-day -day? What, mm. what are your some of your rules and boundaries that you stick by to make sure yeah. that you're living life in the way that you're teaching others to live their oh, life okay so since I hit my 40s um, it's been very much about looking after my whole health so I think we're, we're all very good at managing a health crisis so you know you fracture a leg or you break an arm or you've got a headache or you get the flu and it's like every, everyone resents it they're sick of the imposition that that brings about in, in their life um, but if when I hit 40 I tried to learn to run the trails. I've never been an endurance athlete and I ended up with a really serious back injury and a terrible hip injury and became a chronic pain patient, which is awesome given my background. So I've had to 
learn that without my health and without my ability to modulate my energy levels and my my brain health and my whole health and my water intake, which we'll talk about, because I'm a bit passionate about that, and my sleep and looking after my soul, my spirit and my body, that just if that's not happening, nothing else is happening. So there's only, we can only run on empty for so long. So mm. if you're in the car and you watch a petrol gauge go down and you know you've got 20 kilometers worth of fuel left, it's awesome until you hit a hill mm. um, because that 20 kilometers goes down really quickly. And who wants to be stuck on the side of the road in the dead of night without anything left in that tank? And I feel like I lived that experience and I've certainly watched clients for the last 20 years live that experience, but I don't think it has to be that way. No. Are you seeing more and more of it at oh, the gosh, moment? Yes. And, and more long-term um, what we call lifestyle diseases. So most people think of cardiovascular disease and diabetes as, as and nutritional disorders that come through. But I'm seeing sleep disorders, chronic fatigue, adrenal fatigue is a massive, like it's almost an epidemic, especially around very high performing people who just all of a sudden crash and burn without any other medical evidence to suggest what's going on. Um, seeing people with addictive behaviour that just becomes unhelpful for their, their life. Um, and, yeah, so people are staying out of the workforce for longer. They're fearful that work is not something that they can do. Yet we've got these other opposite extremes where we also have the privilege of working with people who now get to live in wheelchairs for the rest of their life. And they're the ones that will come through the door, quite literally mm. through the door and go, don't tell me it can't be done. So mm. this whole dynamic around what drives people to look after their health and how that fits with work and how that fits with mm. a sense of purpose. I just find that fascinating. So you talked about the sleep deprivation, mm. the adrenal fatigue, mm. the addictive personalities as, as some examples do you think people actually realise that no. they're not having enough sleep or they're no. at risk of adrenal fatigue? What what sort of things for our <laughs> listeners should they be looking out for? Okay, I'm going to give you a personal example here. I went through a stage where I wasn't sleeping. So I just thought, this was the strangest thought now in retrospect, that, okay, well, if I'm not going to sleep, I obviously don't need it. So let's just do more stuff. No, it's dumb. Like, you can hear me say that and go, oh, Joe, that was such a stupid thing to do. But I know I'm not alone. Mm. So it's, it's where I, I liken it to um, so many clients that I work with where I say, this is a minute and I blow up a balloon. I say, that's it. That is it. How much more are you going to stick into it to your minute? And people will continue to blow that balloon up until it bursts. Mm. And I'm like, ta-da. And they're like, oh, I get it now. So it's a minute. What? what can we reasonably do in a minute? And like you said in the introduction, we're being asked to do so much more with less. We're actually asking ourselves to do so much more with less. So I want you to be a high-performing person at work all the time, team of awesomeness, but I want you to do it on four hours sleep. I want you to do it drinking three litres of Coke a day, and I want you to do it without leaving your desk. That That's not mm. a high-performance lifestyle. So how do people push back against that how do people take control what advice would you have so for example I mm. work with a lot of clients in corporate mm -hmm. um, and big organizations mm. and um, many of these organizations are having to make cuts cuts mm -hmm. in resources cuts in headcounts cuts in budgets mm -hmm. um, and what you see is that people that are lucky and left there with jobs and careers ahead of them end up doing two or three people's yes. jobs. And the pushback when I've had these conversations yes. is the, I can't, I yeah. can't, how do I manage it? Do you have any tips 
on what people could do because it yeah. is tricky, isn't it, it? It is really tricky. And I think the the crux of that is you've got to know what works for yourself first. So I employ people and I also go into organisations and consult inside of organisations. And one of the gifts we can give any employer is we know how to get the best out of ourselves. It's not our, I don't actually believe it's our employer's job. They can facilitate that, but we have to take some personal responsibility to go, I am best in the mornings. I am best if I exercise during the day. I am best if I have two solid days over a weekend. So first thing is every three months you need a long weekend. Sorry, very, very tangible. And when I say long weekend, I mean long weekend. You go away, you if you need to turn off your phone, I would prefer you did. I would prefer you didn't look at email. Seriously, unless you're an emergency doctor and that's a whole new kettle of fish, you really don't, you know, no one's going to die. Mm. I know sometimes mm. it feels like it, but no one's going to die. So I think every three months I have a week out, but I know many people listening to this would freak out about having a week out. So start with a long weekend. So I've brought um, a new full-time team member into my um, business. Uh, she's been with me for four months and I know the job's heavy and demanding and she hasn't done it for a while. So she cried, well, got wet eyes. That's what we call crying in my business. Um, when I said to her, right, we're going to plan a long weekend. I want you to have a Friday and a Monday off because you're going to be useless to me come December when I really need you to be on the ball. And I think, you know, as, as managers and leaders of people, we need to be able to help our team members, especially those that are incredibly engaged, because they're the ones who won't know when they've tipped over mm. to, I'm doing too much now. Mm. So I think you've got to use your annual leave. You don't bank it so you can take three months around Europe. The whole idea is that you split it up over the year and you give yourself circuit breakers. Yeah. Because you need that time. I mean, you, you've talked to me about the brain fog. Mm. Our brains are awesome, but your the bottom of your brain, so the primal part of your brain, sometimes known as reptilian brain, which is the fight, flight, I'm terrified, I'm scared. If that switches on, then your logic, prefrontal cortex, which is I'm pointing to my front of my forehead here, that can't work. Both of those things can't be switched on at the same time. We would like them to. So if you go to work and you're panicked or you're exhausted, then your body is going, I need to make this safe. So it will stop you from being able to cognitively focus because you need to preserve your energy because danger is coming. So you're going to sit there and try and write some sort of report or have some intense meeting or do some sort of presentation. You're actually asking your brain to do something it's not capable of doing. I love brain science. I love that. So <laughs> tip number one, yeah. um, I love what you, circuit breakers. So every mm. 90 days, a long weekend. Yes. And we can do that ourselves, but we can also initiate it for Teams. people that are working for us. Um, another tip. Uh, recognize when you've tripped over into flight and fight. So that's yeah. usually you, you're a little bit breathless. Your heart rate might be up. Your uh, call it flibbity jibbity. So you're a bit <laughs> scattered. <laughs> so yeah. you, if you're somebody who is usually good at focusing on a task and you find yourself, so uh, every five minutes your task is shifting, your focus is shifting from task to task. You, you're not in a good headspace. Mm. You need to do something to re reset that for yourself. So. Take a walk without your phone. Mm -hmm. I'm not anti-phone. What I'm anti is we think that taking a mind space break or a head space break means that we fill it with stuff. So if you can create two lots of 30 minutes in your day where you are focused on breathing or listening to one thing 
and do it really well and watch the output that you get from focusing on one thing for 30 minutes twice a day, you will become almost addicted to that. And it will actually allow you to turn your emails off. Oh, that's another thing I recommend you do. Turn them off. Excellent. You only need to look at them three times a day. First thing in the morning, just before you have lunch and an hour before you go home. And it's purely to prioritize. I love it. So I've got three. It's all break. It's all circuit breakers. Yeah. So the physical circuit breaker of the long weekend, every uh, ninety days. Yeah. The mental circuit breaker of a might you called it a mind space break, which mm. is you said thirty minutes twice a day. And I imagine mm. some people going, I don't have time to do that. You actually don't um, have time to not do it. Yeah. So I love that, <laughs> which you don't have time not to do. The third one, and I'll I'll add into that emails. The third one is there's something because we're hearing so much about sleep. Yeah. Um. So like the total yeah. switch off. Yeah. What's your view on that? We no one is getting enough sleep, mm. and because sleep is not just the absence of being awake you actually there's different quality of sleep so people will they don't realize the importance of a sleep routine so getting ready to go to bed and if and then we've got what's called initial insomnia which is you find it hard to fall asleep and then we've got this thing called terminal insomnia which is you wake up and then you can't get back to sleep and there are different things you need to do to try and manage both I don't believe some people need four hours of sleep and some people need nine hours of sleep. I believe that we need good quality sleep. And if we're not resting, then we have an increase in adrenaline pumping through our bodies, which over time is going to lead to the adrenal fatigue. Mm. And then if we've got an increase in cortisol being released into our bodies, then that's when we start to feel fat. Because our body is going, I need these hormones in my body to keep this person safe. Because sleep deprivation is a form of torture. I think we've forgotten that. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I'm sat here now going, right, interview done. I need to go and just sort out my day. So I can hear this passion that mm. you have for mm. your um, area of expertise. What, what keeps you inspired? Hmm. I love it when my clients oh, and clients of, of Purple Co come to us and we help them see that they can do something they didn't think was possible. So um, we've recently finished working or finished working with a lady who was seven years out of the paid workforce and she was a, a pharmacist and she had her own business, but she got sick with adrenal fatigue and, and a, a condition that, that causes dizziness and vomiting for her. And we worked with her on mapping her energy levels and not looking at how to manage her fatigue, but how to maximize her energy. So everyone comes to us for a fatigue management program, which is really an energy management program. Anywho, um, she is now studying, which she hasn't been able to do for seven years. And because we've been able to, she, she wants to start a relationship. She never thought she could start a relationship and she wants to start a family. And she never thought she could start a family. And watching her face the day she realized that I can actually be pregnant and do this or I'm actually going to have a job in 12 months time and making a contribution. It was just, it was beautiful. I just, I love that. So I, I, I want to see more of that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What do you think got you to here? So what are the, some of the choices maybe in your past that mm -hmm. actually started you on this journey? Where did it all begin? 
I've been working since I was 14 and I've come, my, my family was self-employed and work has always been a really legitimate, important thing that we've done. So work was always something that you just did um, and it was important in the family and it gave you status and it gave you security and it gave you freedom. So work has always been something that I did, but I've always had this like kind of love-hate relationship with it. So I would, I'm a bit of a bull at a gate. That's my personality. I will work full on and then it's full stop, full on and full stop. And that was a pattern of my life until my late, late thirties. Um, and it wasn't until I stopped and went, does it have to be that way? And started to get some smarter people into my life. So I'm an allied health professional, so I'm very very around the medical profession and I don't know if you've noticed but medical people like to diagnose everything and once we've medicalized something it's legitimate and then we've got a legitimate sickness and then we get to be passive about it I don't I don't like that <laughs> yes I think medicine has its place but I think we've over medicalized things uh, I know <laughs> overeating because you eat when you're emotional doesn't necessarily mean you've got an eating disorder anywho <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love it. So I think for me, I've, I've worked for some people that were pretty hard, hard people to work for. Um, I made the decision to not be married to my first husband. And I think that was a pretty pivotal point in, in my life. And I think the day I decided or worked out that I have a gift to help people do the impossible and started to own that. And I can't really tell you when that happened. But I, I love it. So people will come to us going, I will never do that. And I'm going, well, what if you did? And it just starts this whole new conversation. So it's when you say people go, I can't take two lots of 30 minutes out of my day to do something. I'm like, yeah, you, you can. What would it look like if you did that? And mm. once you're, you're emotionally attached to that outcome, you'll you'll move heaven and earth to make it happen. I think we've all whoever's listening take the challenge of diarizing those 30 yeah. minutes a day and uh, if you've got someone looking after your diary get them to yeah. actually hold those sacred mm. so what about you know one of the things that I always find interesting talking to successful people um, and success isn't necessarily about you know making millions mm. or being out there globally but successful mm. people is the only thing we ever hear about is the awesomeness <laughs> um, the unicorn moments yes. um, what about for you when times weren't going so great <laughs> um, can you share with me an example where it just was not good. And then equally how you got yourself out of that. Oh, my God. <laughs> there's, there's a lot that feels like there's a lot of those. <laughs> okay, so when I hadn't been in my own business for terribly long uh, and I had taken the plunge of being able to bring some associates or consultants into, into my practice and I'd come from being an employee where I hadn't ended that well. I, I didn't enjoy the way the person I'd become there um, and – so I was scared of managing people because I just assumed I was bad at it and that people wouldn't want to be managed by me. And I finally got myself into a place where I could take my husband and I away to Europe for six weeks, thinking that I'd put all these things in place. And I came back to find that this person had tried to steal my business. And she still to this day doesn't understand that that was what, she, what was perceived to be going on. And it just was such a kick in the stomach. Um, I had three other associate or consultants at the time. It was like, that's it. This is as big as we ever get. We'll just do awesome work and we'll just be this small and we'll be just this small and no one's ever going to do that to me again. Um, fortunately, uh, people came to me uh, and went, I love what you're doing. I can't believe that you've made a business 
successful doing the work the way we're supposed to do it Um, because we all get taught this stuff at university and then you get into the real world and it becomes around managing dollars and compliance and I just cut against that I said we don't do that here yes we will be resourceful and yes we'll be accountable and but we will never teach and treat anybody like they're a compliance metric so that experience of uh someone trying to take your business from you um for some people it was interesting I had a conversation with somebody last week where a human being somebody Mm. in their team had absolutely let them down Mm. and behaved um really badly and what what it was doing was affecting her Mm -hmm. and her questioning her approach and her questioning how she leads and how she manages. Um, how did, because you can really, it could very easily turn you into becoming somebody else. Yes. Like suddenly that affects your whole judgment on everybody. Correct. How did you make sure it didn't? I've got good people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think has been key. When I decided <laughs> that this was something that, because I fell into this, this was supposed to just be something that I was going to do until I worked out what I wanted to do because <laughs> I used up all my savings trying to learn how to trade the US stock market, which apparently a trained monkey can do, but Joe Muirhead with a university degree can't. <laughs> um, so I, I worked out pretty early on that if I was going to do this and be responsible, because uh, responsibility is obviously a key driver of mine, we've said that a few times, then I needed to have good people around me. And I've mm. always had a mentor or a coach or sometimes two um, helping me with perspective because I'm really good at losing perspective, really, really good at it. Um, and you, I don't think perspective is something that you can will yourself into or wish yourself into. You actually need an external stimulus to actually go, <laughs> maybe this is what's going on. You go, oh. Mm. Yeah, so I think that's how I came out of it. And also learning to reflect on the stuff that you do well. It's so easy for us to continually beat ourselves up on the stuff that we perceive or that we didn't do well. Um, So interestingly, in your reputation management, because I know that's a really big issue, if you stuff something up or embarrass yourself some way, it usually takes people 90 days to forget which, right. So you need to listen to that if you're also marketing because if you're not doing anything in 90 days, people have forgotten about you. So I, I think for me, once I heard a statistic like that, I have no idea of the source, but that's, even, that's a great one. Let's use it. <laughs> um, knowing that people's memories, it's probably even shorter now, people's memories, like they're just not going to remember. Mm. They're just not going to understand or, or, or even draw, draw you back into that. So why do we beat ourselves up about it? So focusing on the stuff that we do really well and being prepared to say no to the stuff that feels like a good idea but it's not a good fit. So there are two gems in there. Okay. One is the <laughs> being kind to yourself mm. and the second is saying no. Yeah. And I think both of us know people um, that we both know or that we work mm. with where those two levers are really tricky, right, mm. of people continually beating themselves up, of mm. feeling they're not good enough or the whole imposter syndrome thing. Yes. Um, and equally, just this inability to say no. I th- love it. I think it was Naomi Simpson that said, you know, no is a sentence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I know for myself, equally, I've got to keep keep yeah. addressing that. Um, are you seeing that as well, contributing to some of the clients that you're, you're oh, espe- seeing? Uh, the one, the, especially the people who are incredibly unwell and unable to work. When we start pulling apart the essential requirements of their job, as opposed to all the add-on bits, the add-on bits are like 80% of what 
what they're it's like how much of this is actually what you've chosen to do or you think you have to do or someone else you to do once and you decided that that's what you had to do all the time so boundary setting is massive mm. um and and boundary setting around things like i will finish work today at 6 p.m and then having an appointment to go to so it forces you to get out of there mm. Mm. <laughs> i love it now we're not all wonder women we'd love to no. be right um all of us have strengths. I yeah. often talk about Malcolm Gladwell's theory of we've all got 10,000 hours of expertise in something. Mm. Um, and there's no doubt where your strength is. But equally, we've all got things we need to work on, our weaknesses, um, <laughs> the stuff that we're not so good at. And you also touched earlier on the importance of having a coach and a mentor. Mm. Can you just talk about some of the things that you personally have to continuously, continuously work on to get better at? Communicating with my team, which I might, which might sound strange, um, when <laughs> so as an example, when I am feeling time pressured or a little bit stressed, my sentences get short, and I bark orders at people. I think I'm being helpful because it's like you need an answer to the question. The answer is no. Whereas yesterday, when I was in a much calmer mood, it would have been, "Hi, how are you going? Thanks for your email. The answer to your question is no. Have a wonderful day." Today, it's no. And then I didn't realize that how upsetting that was for people. And it's like, have I offended you? No. So I now tell, I, I now teach that. This is what you can expect from me. And what you need to say to me is, hey, Joe, do you need to have a break today? So I've helped my team understand how to break that, that out of me. I am shocking with details. I am the, the less details I have to do, the better life is for everyone. So much so that, that Sophie, my practice manager now, she actually said to me yesterday, step away from the hoot suite. Step away. Like, go away. I'll take it off your phone and off your computer. Stop it. Every post you put up there has spelling errors. And I just don't see them. And I have two lots of, like, I use two apps to try and help me see them. And they just don't. Ugh. So, so attention to detail, yeah. communication. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I am really a fabulous person. <laughs> what's, what's the mantra that you live by? Do you have a particular... There's always a way. There's always a There's way. There's always a way. I have seen people do things and participate in life in ways that, that nobody thought was possible. So don't tell me that we can overcome illness or sickness or um, uh, trauma or, or in, like there is always a way. If, if you want it bad enough, you'll find a way or you'll bring the people into your world that will help you make those decisions and help you get there. Yeah. Fabulous. <laughs> and one of the things last week I was uh, facilitating an event and your name came up when we were talking about authenticity in yeah. communication and uh, one other thing that that joe has is a regular video blog that you post through facebook what do you call it the this is private practice <laughs> this is private practice which is just awesome now tell me where it started and yeah. talk to me a little bit or share with us just this the style for those of you that have not seen it essentially um it's it comes up on facebook what three or four times a week yeah. and joe is always literally it's almost like she's just flipped the camera on her yep. computer and there with a mug of coffee tea sometimes it even gets to a glass of wine and it's just joe talking and it's actually quite entertaining where did it all start and and tell me about okay. what, how you're using this yeah well uh, yay um so 
It started me ranting about Telstra. So I, I could not believe an organisation could be so freaking incompetent. And I'm sorry, Telstra, but we've had this discussion on numerous platforms many, many times. Um, I was trying to... They sold me a product that they couldn't deliver on. They sold it to me for four years before they told me. Uh-huh. And the only reason was because I'm questioning download and upload speeds. It's like... So then we had to go through this rigmarole. It took us three months to resolve an issue. And I, oh man, seriously. So I just flipped the camera on one day and went, this is the stuff no one talks about. Um, and like you said before, we all talk about the awesomeness and I'm so inspired and it's so passionate and it's so wonderful and everyone wants to be me. <laughs> so I just went, this is real. Telecommunications in Australia sucks. So those of you who got coached by me in the USA this week, awesome because Telstra was working. Um, and if you, under the assumption that we have other options in Australia, not where I live. Um, we're not in the MBN isn't even planned for us. Um, geez, that's hilarious. <laughs> so it just grew out of that. And then I got some positive reinforcement. People going, that was really great. I really like the fact that you're willing to talk about the stuff that no one else talks about. So then I've, I've, I try and keep it to one thought, but sometimes there's several, um, just about my day. This is what I did. Uh, I talk about leadership, um, in, but it's very practical. So today I had to lead this thing or today I, my market, <laughs> learning how to do an online marketing sequence and integrating five different pieces of software and learning how to copyright and design so that the story all matched. I sang a song. <laughs> um, and what's been so encouraging for me is that when people see them, they enjoy them. It helps uh, I normalize. I think that we have some pretty rough times and I've recently been on there talking about not being well and what you need to do to look after yourself so that you can be sick but also give yourself permission to recover because there's nothing worse than being sick and then stressing out, looking at your emails, answering your phone calls, like you're sick, just be sick. Mm. Like, please, <laughs> stop spreading that love. <laughs> so it's, yeah. what is it? This is private practice. This is private can, practice. You can find it on Facebook. Definitely have a look. Now, what what makes you choose the coffee versus the tea versus the wine? Oh, that's, that's purely a mood thing. <laughs> <laughs> but what I love about the coffee cup thing, there's often water in those coffee cups. Um, my, my nieces and, and, and nephews, um, who are quite quite a lot younger, um, they, they get excited to find out what Margani Joe's using. So that there's there's family conversation going on there as, as well. So um, I know what present I'm going to send you at Christmas. <laughs> Please do, more than happy. I think it's great. So from your perspective, um, who do you think of, if anybody, or even what do you think of yeah. when you think of somebody living a successful life? What what does that huh. mean to you? Is there anyone particularly yeah. that you go, God, they've got yeah. it sorted? <laughs> does okay. anyone ever get it sorted? No, I, I don't think or anyone ever gets it, actually it sorted. Mean? I think people, particularly women that I really admire, that go, wow, I, I'd like to be, be like them, Therese Rain. Um, who's the wife of Kevin Rudd, if, for people who don't know. She's a rehabilitation counsellor as well. And she grew this massive um, business here in Australia. She's taken it to Europe. She's taken it into Asia. And she's really helping disadvantaged people learn the skills that they need to work, which is not just technical skills. It's the social and emotional intelligence that goes along with that. I, I heard her speak at a conference and it was like, oh, my God, there's another person like me in the world. So that that was pretty cool. Um, I think she's – and she's had to deal with some – not so pleasant stuff in her life. 
Um, and then there's Janine Shepherd. She is um, she was an Australian um, Winter Olympian who was involved in a motor vehicle accident and has had to learn to walk again. But before she learned to walk properly, she became a pilot. Um, and I, when I heard her story and, and listened to, to her TED talk and, and have read her books and I've met her a couple of times, uh, I just think, wow, I, I want to be like you. There's no people say fall over fall over seven times and get up eight. She's like gotten up. 13, 14, 15. Um, and I, I just think she's an incredible So what person. is it about those two people? So Teresa and Janine, if you had to describe mm. what it is about them mm. that you are inspired by or you respect, what is it? So obviously Janine, I'm hearing just this, that thing, that resilience. Yeah, that I think, and that's probably it for, for both for of both. them. Yeah. But also holding firm to um, I have this thing inside of me. So I, I think... You know, we, we have a job, we have a career and we have a calling and I'm really starting to own my calling. And I think for me, I've, I've watched those two women and I'm, I'm, I love the fact that they are so called to what they do that nothing will get in their way. So in Therese Rain's case, her husband being outed of, you know, the highest office in this country um, and then Janine training for the Winter Olympics and then being hit by a truck. It, it's just like, but I'm called to do this stuff. I, there is a reason I exist. And if I don't do what it is that I'm called to do, then the world's not going to be the same. And mm. I, I just think that's, I think we've all got that in us. Mm. I love what you just said about we have a job, we have a career, we have a calling. Mm. I think, um, you know, one of the things um, I've heard a colleague of ours, Margot Anderson, talk about quite a lot is the company owns your job, you own your career. Absolutely. And then on top of that, what you're, you've just done is added a whole nother layer, which is, <laughs> which is calling. And I think that this is part of the reason why people start feeling unsettled. Mm -hmm. um, so they've got the awesome job. They might have the beautiful house, the beautiful car, the great job title. Uh, so to the outside world, it looks amazing, mm. but it's that calling piece mm. um, that is missing, which I'm imagining can contribute probably to some of the clients that you see, right? Where they oh. get, they just lose focus. Oh, a, purpose. A, a purpose. Yeah. And it's like, but I've got everything I have. You know where that, this hits men in their early 40s. So they've worked really hard. They've driven up the career ladder really, really well. Um, they've got the house, the kids are in school and they're bored. And I'm only saying this because this has been my treatment experience has been more men, men than women. Women tend to extend it along a little bit longer because they've got their kids and purpose gets tied up in, in being a mother and what you're supposed to do with your family. But the post-cancer survivors, we always have to have the discussion around what, why did you survive? Mm -hmm. So what's left for you to do? Um, mm. And I, those questions bring up so much stuff and it's being prepared to ask those questions and not be scared of the ickiness that could potentially come, the strong emotions that could potentially come. And yeah. think big with it, right? There's yeah. nobody telling you to think small. <laughs> no. oh, I love that. Mm. I love that. So, so I think for most of us, there's always been something that triggers... Um, yeah triggers this this movement or this calling um, mm. and often it could be you've heard someone speak it could be something that you've seen it could be even something that you've read mm. and I'm often really intrigued as to particularly that latter one you know the the impactful words the book that you've read mm. um, and how it changed you is there a book that springs to mind for you oh I'm a ferocious reader but then they all blend into one another but one of the most impacting books that I've ever read is The Richest Man in Babylon um, 
I think everybody's got issues with money, which is never an issue with money. It's also, it's always an issue about self-worth. So just replace money with self-worth and then get really uncomfortable. Because if you can, anyway, whole nother discussion. But the, this book, it, it's not a, this is what you must do to change your mindset about money. It's a story that helps you pull out the fundamental pieces. And it's just so simple. Like getting back to the roots of spend less than you earn. Um, and I think for me, the theme of this book helped me understand that if I've been given a dollar and can't manage that dollar well, why on earth would I be given 10? Mm. So if I've got a half a million dollar business and I'm not managing that well, I'm in a lot of debt, I can't pay my suppliers on time, I'm not paying myself a wage, I'm not putting money into superannuation, I'm not meeting my tax obligations, then why on earth would anyone or anything give you authority, accountability and responsibility over a multi-million dollar cash flow? It's just not going to happen. Mm. And that once I read that and got that, I went, oh, it's not the fact that I need to work harder, market more. It's about I've got to work out what I'm not doing right. And, and for me, that was getting a healthy respect for what debt is and what it isn't. And did it change things for Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Awesome. I love it. So on the flip side then, what do, what do you see the biggest mistake people make, people making either in business or in life? Um, <laughs> that you know it all. And you don't need any advice. Um, <laughs> case in point, I had a, a, a consult with somebody yesterday who was talking about working with me in, in building their business. And um, she spent the entire half an hour telling me why she didn't need me. And I'm like, you, 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 you're the one who facilitated this conversation. There's obviously something in what I've done that's resonated with you. Can I have a look at your website? Oh, don't do that. It's terrible. Okay. Can I see your social media presence? I don't have any okay, um, you've just told me that you want to be speaking and you want to be on TV and, and you live in a small rural community. Um, so what are your plans for that? Oh, I don't have any. So how can I help you? Oh, you can't. I'm like, what? <laughs> it was just so bizarre. Um, so that, that's unusual. Most people come to me going, I want you to help me with this thing. But um, yeah. I couldn't agree more. In, uh, in some of my work, I talk about how we all need teachers to mm. help us develop mastery, mm. to help us actually know more. And the way that we let those teachers down is we just don't listen um, mm. to the advice. It's almost a child with their fingers in the ears oh, going, no, 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 no. And you see it and see it all the time. It doesn't matter whether it's in your personal life or your professional life. So I couldn't agree more. Mm. What, is, what is the, I'm always intrigued because there's so many bits of advice that are banded mm. around in mm -hmm. business and in entrepreneurial world. You know, fear, face your fears, fil fast, <laughs> um, learn from failure. You know, there's oh, all of these wonderful it. memes and mantras. <laughs> What is the one? Is there one that, quite frankly, just pisses you off and you just want to go, seriously, stop listening to that? The seven steps to fast, cheap and easy. <laughs> and why does it annoy you? Oh, my God. There's no seven steps to anything fast, cheap and easy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I think we... we are so used to it's persuasive language it's sales language and we are sucked in every single time we say it if somebody is offering you seven steps i want to know are they really seven steps or does every step have a thousand steps after the seven steps if somebody is offering you a fast cheap easy way of doing something you really need to ask yourself am i going to do the work on the back end to implement to learn and to think 
Because if you're going to do anything successfully, you need a minimum of your 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours just gets you to a baseline of mastery. It doesn't make you a master. And if you want to be a master of the masters, you've got some work to do. Sorry, you've got some work to do. So that whole, I am so, I, I call myself the anti seven step person because I, I'm so turned off by that. <laughs> so anyone who's blogging who, or sends me a newsletter with the seven steps to, it's not even being opened. It's I not. love it. And yeah, I can honestly say there's some publications out there with it where they ask for articles oh, for their seven steps. Yeah. And oh, you see and it in the long form emails yeah. as well. And I, I get why we do it, but you asked what annoys me and that's it. So, and and I'm, I'm a member of so many different Facebook communities, especially in the US, because I have quite a strong following in the US. And the, the unsophisticated, almost immature questions that get asked is, does someone have a cheap easy way to penetrate the medical centers in their local area i'm like no don't do that because you're actually going to make it harder for everyone else mm. um, or i need free website building tools I'm like do you not understand the importance of a website these days mm. um and seriously you've got a master's degree in social work why are you building your own website mm. anywho so two things in that, just do the work. Yeah, please. And secondly, don't try and be something that you're not, like yeah. outsource or you can't be great at everything. Find the masters to help you. I love that. And I think it's important. We have to know what we want. So I don't believe in abdication. I believe in delegation. So it means you still need to know what your website needs to do. It needs to be in your voice. It needs to be in your branding. It needs to have functionality that's going to work for you and your clients. You can't abdicate that mm. to somebody else. Mm. Um, but you don't need to be the one that builds it. Gosh, I love it. Wow, that's just been an awesome, <laughs> awesome conversation. I wish I could actually capture some of the wonderful uh, facial images that came <laughs> out during that conversation from the beautiful Jill Muirhead. Jill, I've got one final question. Mm -hmm. um, go back in time, your 21-year-old self. If you could, what would you tell her? 21-year-old <laughs> Joe. wow, she was magical. <laughs> They were magical days. Okay, you don't know it all and don't sweat the small stuff. Excellent. But yeah, yeah, you don't know it all and don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. It's just been an absolute pleasure to talk to you this Thank morning, Joe. Thank you so much. Thanks for uh, your honesty, your authenticity and so many words of wisdom in that sort of 40 minutes. And anyone that's, that's listening, um, I challenge you all to get those circuit breakers in, mm -hmm. to think about your end of day sleep routine and most of all to be kind to yourself. Mm. I think a lot of us have abdicated actually versus delegated our responsibility on that in mm, terms of managing nice. ourselves to other people and we've got to take that control Yes. back so thank you so much joe i've certainly got loads of things i need to go and put into place um thank you so much pleasure janine thank you we hope you enjoyed listening to the janine garner show to follow her blog purchase her books or find out more visit her website janinegarner.com.au brilliant people extraordinary results